0: Wiz, we've got our uh, first guest on the line, and we do appreciate all our guests' sign, but particularly this man. He's the CEO of the Southern Football Netball League. I speak of Lee Hartman. Lee, good morning to you, and uh, welcome to the Southern FM Airwaves. Good morning, boys. No
1: worries at all. Thanks for joining us, Lee. It's Wiz here, mate, and uh, good to hear your voice again. It's been a little while. Um, So, now, the boys, we've seen an announcement recently that uh, the Southern Footy and Netball League, along with the Essendon and the Western League, uh, have uh, decided that they're keen to go ahead, but they're operating with a $0 salary cap. Um, it's a pretty complex thing, Lee, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it is. I um, there's lots of pieces to the puzzle. Um, but, yeah, we just felt the three leagues ourselves, and obviously working with the Amos as well, who were still looking to get away, um, obviously paying nothing. The four leagues still thought that that would be the best, Way to go forward, especially with Northern and Eastern pulling the pin, and you know several of their their players, you know p- potentially still looking for a kick, flooding or coming into other leagues. Um, we just didn't want that to be at the detriment or um, the financial risk to our club, so um, we got on the front foot and made that call.
1: Yeah, there, are, and there and there is risk of course associated with this. We're trying to cut through to uh, the real hard stuff on this and we're really uh, glad that you've joined us. I know there's a lot of chat around, you see it on social media, I've spoken to a lot of friends, are all saying, look I love my footy, I miss my footy, I really want to get my footy back. Um, but we really can't afford to make these decisions based on these emotional arguments. This is all about financial sustainability and safety, isn't it?
2: Yeah, safety is obviously paramount. It's the number one consideration. Um, and then obviously the sustainability of our clubs, um, you know, is um, the next cab off the rank. there. We've got to make sure that our clubs, if we do get away, can afford it. Um, there's no good, you know, putting clubs into debt, um, some clubs further into debt and, you know, trying to make that up in future years. So we, we're very mindful of that and we've made some decisions, some other decisions to help with that. Um, but, yeah, we, we're very mindful of that.
1: So I'm mindful too that there are clubs out there. There's always the haves and have nots. So there'll be, and given the tribal nature of it, there'll be some out there that are in a financial position where they can proceed, and they'll be. I can almost hear some of them saying, "Well, you know, if they can't afford to play, you know, stuff them." But I think the bigger picture here, and we've heard this said, we're all in this together. Uh, you know. They, Really, be critical clubs that can't afford to play is probably the wrong thing on behalf of the other clubs because uh, if some of them go broke, uh, they'll be criticising the league next year for having a Mickey Mouse competition with half the number of clubs. If uh, if it doesn't work for some of these guys, so it's the big picture that we're looking at here, isn't it?
2: Yeah, look for sure. And I think until we, um, where the league we're released what the fees would be for the year, everything from you know affiliation fees to umpire fees to you know, fees for footballs um, um, everything else that we have, insurance those sorts of things, they were a bit nervous on what that model would look like but once we released that which was about two, oh, two two and a half weeks ago now, um, but they're a lot more confident that they'd be able to play if we do get up and running, um, you know we've, not only players have taken a, a pay cut that the umpires have, we've the affiliation fees, quite a few other things to look after them so when they've gone away and done their numbers I think they've realised that it's not um, you know, it's not going to be too onerous but it at the same time, they will rely on, if we do get away, some of their rusted-on sponsors sticking by them, um, players paying their membership fees, which is a struggle at the best of times. So yeah. it's to see season, how that looks, those sorts of things. So, look, there's plenty that goes into it. But um, I think the financial side, look, when we first went to them, it was probably half and half, sort of 50-50. And then um, since we've had those um, President's meetings had a couple of the last two weeks, um, yeah, it's probably pretty much everyone's on board.
0: When you saw other Metro Leagues, such as the Northern and the Eastern Leagues, come out and make a statement saying they're they're completely writing off their seasons in 2020, did that come as a shock to you?
2: Um, Look, we've been working closely, the six uh, senior Metro Leagues and the two junior ones since March, so we've sort of uh, been meeting twice a week. Um, So when the announcement was made, it wasn't really a shock because I I knew what had led up to that, but... I th- thought they, I personally thought they could have waited another week or two, but obviously each league's run by an independent board and they're also got pressures from their own member clubs who they represent. So, look, each to their own and at the end of the day, even the, the four metro leagues are left, they will make an individual decision, although we are trying to work together where we can. But, um, yeah, shock probably wasn't the right word. I'll probably, look, it's, at this stage I've called off their seniors, they're still looking around junior football. And I think Northern's looking to run netball as well. Um, So they're still trying to get some football up. But, um, yeah, at this stage, we can really only concentrate on what we're doing. And at this stage, we're still looking to play.
0: So looking ahead, should there be a a season for the Southern Football Netball League? Is it primarily going to be seniors first? Or do you see reserves under-19s, even potentially thirds and women's footy in the scene with netball as well?
2: Yeah, we canvassed our clubs on this. Um, we weren't too sure what they'd say, but they all came back very strongly and said, it's one in Auckland, so if we're running competitions for seniors, we should be doing it for the rest. There have been a few clubs flagged that, depending on when we announce uh, resum- resumption dates, what their numbers will look like through the twos and the thirds, and um, we'll obviously give our clubs plenty of time to come back to us and say we're in or- we're out for certain grades. Um, and look, even if someone in the seniors didn't want to play, we'd accommodate that as well and just fix it around. Now, there'll be no penalties around... Get around doing that we need to work with all of our member clubs to make sure they're here so at this stage all the clubs are telling us they still want to have all those grades um, but at the end of the day it's going to be the participants on who turns up
0: would you be encouraging some clubs local clubs say for an example a saint paul's and a bentley coming together for the sake of putting a reserve side together to have a competition reserves or under 19s or whatever competition it may be
2: yeah, potentially. And we've spoken to some clubs that have got thirds, that if we do end up having gap, gaps in the reserves, you know, we can push them third sides up. We've also got Sandown who play in the thirds only, Don't have, not in the, in the divisional structure. They, they've indicated that um, it's the third option to play in the thirds, but if need be, um, because Cerberus have had to withdraw, um, being part of the ADF, um, they may pop up as well. So look, there's plenty of options for us. It's just a matter of at the end of those clubs entering um, the sides that they wish.
1: If you've just joined us, you're listening to Beyond the Boundary special post-COVID. Uh, we're calling it post, I guess it's not quite post yet, local footy special, and we've got Lee Hartman, the CEO of the Southern Football and Netball League, on the line. Lee, I'm keen to unpack uh, what you're talking about, reduced rates and fees and umpires' fees and how that actually looks because as an organisation, you're responsible as chief executive for making sure that you're sustainable. So presumably you guys need to be uh, scratching out a few invoices as soon as possible as well. So how does it look like in terms of the overall cost for a club?
2: Yeah, well, it's it's always been based on um, what teams you enter and what division you're playing and those sorts of things. So, but look, as a rule of thumb, um, if we end up getting um, half a season away, and I just saw Dan Andrews' press conference before I jumped on the line here, and that's very encouraging what he's had to say this morning about resumption of playing. Uh, the affiliation season will be prorated. Uh, the umpires have taken a um, a twenty percent cut across the board, but we've also been able to, um, I suppose, streamline what umpires we actually need. You know, in the lower grades, we won't be having boundaries and those sorts of things, just to save costs. So their their total cost for umpires will be about a third of their normal full total okay. um, yep. um, cost. Um, football, we said to them, normally they take twelve in a year. We said, that's out, out the window. If you've got footage from last year, you use those. But if you need to buy some, we'll solve the cost and those sorts of things. So we have really we have really um, you know dialed right into it and said where we can save you money, we will. And the clubs have appreciated that.
1: So, when we're talking about having a season, if it happens, Lee, how does the structure of that season look? I mean, we're we're now in the middle of June, uh, and yeah. obviously there's a there's a finite amount of time that you can play footy because cricket will want to get started at some point. You'd imagine in early to mid October. So, are we talking maybe nine games in a short and final series, or how does it work?
2: Yeah, look, the clubs were adamant when we spoke to them that for a season to get underway in each division, they want to play each other once as a minimum. So obviously in, in Diz 1 and 2 that would be 9 rounds and the other divisions 7 rounds. Um, but based on what Dan Andrews has come out this morning and said, con- contact training can start from July 13 and playing can start a week later from July 20 for adult sports. Um, we could potentially start on July 25th. Um, August and September have 9 Saturdays this year, so there's actually 10 Saturdays between Saturday, July 25th and the end of September. Um, and AFL Victoria and Cricket Victoria, you're, you're probably aware, came to an agreement to allow, um, community leagues to play finals during October as long as they're not using district or sub-district ground. So that's been a great, um, win for us because we, we have used those for our finals. So, um, you know, the lower divisions probably three weeks. Uh, we do need to finish by October 17th. Um, that's, that's a requirement of, um, agreement with cricket as well. Um and potentially the AFL Grand Final maybe on October 24 or 31, so we obviously need to finish before them. So, look, I think we could get nine or ten rounds and three or four weeks of finals. I think that's going to play out OK. The big question mark is still around crowds and those sorts of things. Mm. Um There wasn't much clarification on that this morning from the Premier, so we just need to delve into that before we make any final decisions. But the first step is getting the dates and seeing what it looks like, which we now have. So that's um, a good step forward.
1: Sounds like the crowds are the critical thing too. We saw, uh, interesting last night on TV, some uh, small crowds at the Adelaide Adelaide Oval. So that's a start. Um, I'm wondering about your team in there at head office as well, Lee. And obviously... Um, there are a lot of people and resources in there that have got to make these competitions fly. But in these times I'm aware that people have had reduced hours, reduced wages in order to manage yep. costs. How how's that affecting you and the team? Are you uh, you obviously working for about twenty bucks a week at the moment or <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
2: thank God for JobKeeper. Um, look to be honest, without the federal um, jobkeeper we, we would have had to put people off, there's just no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, absolutely you know, we've made a massive investment. Um, a, a cash investment into um, RSEA Park uh, some 18 months ago, um, which was um, a quite a quite took a big dent out of our cash flow. So it would. there's no doubt there's no, there's no doubt that um, you know with these times and having no income, um, a lot of our major sponsors have sucked by us, which has been great as well. But job JobKeeper, yeah, we definitely would have had a different scenario than we've got now. But look, the, the staff have been up to it. They um, they love their jobs as well, and um, you know, with the board, the board and myself have guaranteed their jobs post this, whether we play or not, whenever that may be. But it looks like now, if we can get back, that that'll turn that around fairly quickly.
1: So, I've got one other question, and I, and this is a hypothetical in some respects. I was talking to a friend of mine who's a lawyer during the week, uh, and we, and we talk about safety, and obviously there's measures in place, guided buyer for Victoria, and all those sort of things around um, keeping things clean and what they can and can't do. Um, there's obviously a compulsory insurance component for all players that covers injury. What would happen, do you think, if a player in the Southern Football League's playing footy this year contracts COVID nineteen whilst playing, and um, you know, God help us, God forbid, the uh, the worst happens, and and we would lose someone for, from that perspective. Where does it leave yourself and the directors in terms of liability?
2: Yeah, well, obviously we're all covered by public liability insurance through the, through the AFL. Yeah. But the AFL have made it quite clear, um, that they, they set, um, what they've termed at the moment, return to train protocols. And then we we'll play, be will be return to play protocols. So the advice from the insurers are if you are following those protocols and don't go outside of those, um, that you'll be okay. Obviously, as you mentioned, we have, um, injury insurance, but there's no, um, no medical insurance. So you, you know, in the past, if you're playing on muddy grounds four weeks in a row and got the flu. Yeah, that's sure. Not, you know, that's not covered as So obviously, um, um, COVID-19 is fully covered through the Medicare system. If you need to go to hospital and those sorts of things. So yeah. that's where that picks that up. So for the insurance side of things, um, for the players insurance is, is the, um, injury insurance and then the clubs and the league ourselves, we do our public liability insurance. But, but at the end of the day, if everyone is, and you, once again, it's an assumption, you're following the protocols. Mm. Um,
1: they, shouldn't have, they shouldn't have a worry. It's interesting, I was just a signal to Carl he had a question, but just following on from that, I mean, the protocols around, so ground inspections every day, the team manager is supposed to meet in the centre of the ground and sign off the condition of the ground, and we know that perhaps that doesn't always happen in the past, so this is going to require a new set of disciplines for club officials as well, isn't it? Yeah, look, and that's
2: that, that'll play a lot of part in our decision making, because we haven't seen the final return to play protocols, and um, they, they Obviously, need to be thorough, but at the same time, they can't be too onerous. Um, You know, on volunteers. So we're quite aware of that.
1: So we'll we'll look into those and make make a decision when we see those as well. Yeah, you're right. It is a very complex thing, Lee, no question about it. And, uh, you know, there's I, I know there's a lot of people concerned about uh, safety and, and uh, their insurance coverage, etc., etc. et cetera. So uh, that'll be an interesting one to watch. Just going back to the competition structure, I know time's running out. Carl's already giving me the wind-up here. But in terms of finals, so we're in a reduced yeah. competition, and it might be, you know, we've got 10 Saturdays between now and the end of September. Presumably you can get eight or nine home and away games in. How does the final work? And And the other one is there are going to be some clubs who don't want to play them. And I see Chelsea Footy Club have officially withdrawn from the MPNFL, and there's others that are expressing some concerns about it. If they decide not to play, how does that fit in with promotion and relegation between divisions?
2: Yeah, we've, we've been on record to say as far as competition structure, how that looks, promotion, relegation, all those things, we wouldn't, or the board wouldn't make a decision on that until. We knew what we were looking at. Uh, mm-hmm. Now that we've got some dates and we can start to look at those things, that they will be topics of conversation over the, the next couple of weeks. But um, there was always going to be a case where, you know, probably only three weeks ago, we were looking at potentially only playing home and away and no finals. Then, you know, obviously, the promotion and relegation, but because the landscape is changing quite quickly, you know, those conversations need to be had now. now so that we know what we potentially could be looking at.
0: Just one final one from me, Lee. Uh, the netball is just as important these days as a football uh, when it comes to the Southern Football Netball League. Do you think uh, netball's going to come back? And have you got uh, Sue Kimber assisting you with seeing how that's sort of going to plan out in the coming weeks?
2: Yeah, look, we're on the of saying we'd always run netball irrespective of what football happened um, for a few reasons. One, we don't have the pressure to get off the courts for another sport like we do in football so we can go later if need be. We do have access to those courts you know, right through October, November, et cetera. You know, preferably we wouldn't want to go that late. But, yeah, definitely we'll be playing netball. Um, this year we had a record number of teams entered before the season. I think it was 110, so up from 100 last year. We are canvassing the clubs. We still think we'll potentially get, you know, 70 or 80 teams in. So I think it'll be a worthwhile exercise. And you Now, even to the future, you know, we may look at summer comps and those sorts of things anyway, but it's sort of been on the radar a few leagues to do that. So netball, definitely 100% goer, um, and the clubs are supporting that as well.
0: Beautiful stuff. Hey, Lee, it's been uh, great to have you on this morning on 88.3 Southern FM. Uh, Big job for yourself and all the other CEOs of the Metropolitan Footy Leagues around Victoria. Really appreciate your time this morning, and hopefully it's not the last time we hear you on uh, 88.3. No worries, boys. Have a good day. Good on you, Lee. Thanks for joining us. Lee Hartman, the CEO of the Southern Football Netball League.